to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 395. I'm your host, Annika Harrison, and joining me this week is my co-host Pontus Bergmann. Hallo! Hey san, hey san! How are you, Annika? Good, good. Mm -hmm. as, as we can see, Andras is not here today. No. So, I think he's traveling again. <laughs> I think so, yeah. He just said, he. Well, by the way, next week I can't be there. And we, we, we have stopped asking now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he also said he can do something um, in the middle of the night for us and in, in the morning for him. So, well. that sounded like he's not in Europe, but... Yeah, he will probably tell us where he was, and um, yeah. yeah, until then we'll we'll keep uh, keep mm -hmm. a spot open for him. <laughs> yeah, great. Keep the seat warm. Mm -hmm. So uh, I understand you are now feeling very well because you've been healed. Is that true? Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean. I wasn't lucky enough to be picked by the shamans on the trade fair I went to on Sunday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you went but to I the wasn't fair. The audience. Yes. yes, yes. I went to the fair, to the esoterics and spirituality fair in Cologne. Ooh. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I have to say, like, I guess that most of the people there were believers, but also were, like, really kind and nice. But others... With some things, I was just looking at them and they were looking at me. And we were just like, no, that's not okay. There was one person, I won't say names because I don't want a <laughs> legal <laughs> legal case happening. Very um, smart. But there was one person there that, for example, said he had a client and the client had amassed too much feelings of guilt in his life. And that's why he had bowel cancer. Blaming the victim. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that, that that's very problematic, of course. And very effective if you want to explain why your miracle yeah. cure didn't work. Mm -hmm, now that's mm -hmm. your, the victim's fault. Yeah. And then other things of like, yeah, you have to come to me for at least 10 years and only then it can help your aura and your spiritual sense. 10 years? Stuff. Yeah, yeah. I may not live that long. What? <laughs> yeah. Then imagine how expensive that is too. Wow. Like, There, are, there were other things that I saw these beautiful blankets and stuff, uh, of course, super expensive. We saw healing stones where we just asked, like, what what are they made of, out of? And they had to actually confess and they get yeah, that glass. But okay. there's a healing program on it. And we're like, okay, so like a USB stick. <laughs> that was maybe a bit too funny for them because then like they were like, no, not like a USB stick. It's the secret of the healer, so just leave it at that. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> so, they're not used to people asking questions. Yeah, I think people so. are just supposed to accept mm -hmm. all of it. Yeah, exactly that. And there was there was like a shaman that I asked, like, "Hey, is this Native American inspired?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, hmm, at times, but I also got inspired by the Celtics and by the Greeks and by everything that seemed useful." And I was like. Okay, cultural appropriation from anything, you yeah, know. Yeah. But as long as it's not mainstream western, right? Yes, then then exactly. it's fine because then it's as natural, it's, it's ancient, mm -hmm. it's all of those fallacies. Yeah, as long as it's not evidence-based. 
Yeah. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I think the funniest thing I already sent you a photo of that was a gemstone face mask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty. Yeah, but we had a good time. It, I think it doesn't hurt to to go to these places because, to just see what's going on in the in the other world, so to say. Yeah. <laughs> to leave our bubble a bit, and we were actually thinking about maybe having our own little stall next year. And what sell what? Well, <laughs> what clever idea did brochures. you come up now? Bottled air. <laughs> there was a stall from spiritual Christians there. And they gave out books, but also explaining why, like, you shouldn't do this and that if you're spiritual, because it can lead to Satan or whatever, you know? This is something, like, we could do, not, like, giving out books to explain why Satan, blah, blah. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, having a stall there and just giving out brochures and books informing about medical procedures and evidence-based medicine and stuff. They could be a little bit annoyed if you stand there and explain applied kinesiology, why it seems like you get a better balance when you get the magic amulet or the magic bracelet Mm. or something like that. It's very easy to demonstrate, but I don't think it will go down well if the guy Mm -hmm. next door is selling you an amethyst or a special rock that will improve your balance or energy. Yeah. Of course, it would be very confrontational. And it's also, of course, something where you like, do you really essentially go in opposition with everyone else who is in these rooms? But the thing is, they were also talked with a few other people who were actually like, hmm, yeah, I do believe in that, but I'm not really sure if that actually works, like the other thing. So that this is, would be like a prime example where having brochures and information out would actually be prudent. Yeah, it could could be. It could be. I mm-hmm. mean, if if you catch the people who are on the fence, who go there just as mm-hmm. a fun experience, and then I, I don't know. I'm not sure. It's it's also like the question is that the true believers, of course, will only get mad at you. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And but I think it belongs to informed decisions to have information, mm-hmm. and especially people who would go to these trade fairs. Except for if they're <laughs> skeptics to going there with with us, um, <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't have these uh, inf- this information necessarily. I think I just want to keep that in mind, but I also like it, it definitely is something that has to be organized. You have to, you have um, to think over your approach and uh, yes, really decide yes. why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it just to ridicule them, then no, I, 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 would, I would never say, do that. Like, no, no, I, I, I understand, like... <laughs> but that's something you shouldn't do uh, mm-hmm. ever because mm-hmm. that doesn't help at all. No, no, but I, I also had pretty nice conversations on on Sunday. Like it, it yeah. wasn't really. There were a few nice people there. It's really not that I'm. I want to ridicule anyone, but I want people in the audience to be able to make informed decisions. Yeah, normally it's the, the skeptics are the bad guys always. Uh, but but yeah. it is necessary to keep informing people about things that mm-hmm. are, have been proved to be bullshit. I happen to read a thing. I hope listeners are looking uh, from time to time at the British online magazine called The Skeptic. Skeptic.org.uk, I believe. Uh, it's always in- very interesting. And I particularly like their motto, which is, quote, reason with compassion. Don't be a dick, basically. So the article I read there the other day was by friend of the show and sometimes co-host here, Brian Ego. He had written a piece about his adventures when he apparently needed some work done around the house. And to do that, they needed to switch off the main water supply. I guess Mm -hmm. they were 
attaching something and you don't want the water to spill all over the place. So they needed to find the main water shut-off valve, which apparently, at least in Scotland, it's called the Toby. So they asked him, where is the Toby? And I said, I, have, I don't know, what's the Toby? And well, I've got a friend called Tobias, <laughs> well, so maybe call, that's the Toby. I can call him if you want to. Anyway, at least there in Scotland they call it a Toby. Anyway, <laughs> since the house is a bit old, there were no real records on where the Toby was, so they couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. Basically, they had to resort to digging a lot around the house. And in fact, in some of the neighbor's garden as well, and they did locate a few Tobies, but none that really worked. So they were looking for this. And how do you look for water, Annika, in the olden days? Um, Smelling it. <laughs> you could smell it. You could try to look for it. You could try to listen for it. That's actually one thing they did. They tried mm-hmm. to... They opened all the faucets in the house and tried to listen where the water came from. Well, I think if if I couldn't do all of that, I would get out my good old dowsing stick. Exactly. Which is what they did. (laughs) uh, Oh, really? uh, Yes. A couple of them. More than one person, because there were several people coming and going over a couple of days. More than one person brought up, in all seriousness, we should use dowsing rods to find it. And uh, Brian was just, okay, fine, you do whatever you want to do, but you know that's not going to work. And it didn't work either. In the long run, I guess they found it somehow. They dug in at the right place and they, I think they maybe had to install a new Toby or whatever. But the moral of the story is that in 2023, the employees of the company called Scottish Water which boasts about providing drinking water to about two and a half million people there and Mm -hmm. uh, to 150,000 companies as well, they sometimes use dousing rods to find uh, public uh, water pipes. That's incredible. Incredible. Mm -hmm. But go read the article. It was fun. Brian is always a hoot. And uh, he writes about this very entertainingly or amusingly. Articles by Brian are always worth a read. (laughs) (laughs) Something that's also always worth mentioning is what happened this week in skeptical history, right? Yes! Let's go to Twish! Yes, so normally, of course, this is Andras's department. Andras's. Andras's department. But I'll do it for you today. And I'll talk about the 15th of September, which is the day that this show will go out. And uh, this date is the International Day of Democracy, was established in 2008. But I had actually never heard about it before. In these days when democracy is under threat more than we should like to think about, it is really important to celebrate this date. So this is something that UN has, has established. I was a young adult in the 80s when apartheid fell in South Africa and when the Soviet Union went through glasnost and eventually fell apart into what many of us then believed would be democratic countries. Mm -hmm. Didn't always happen that way. But with that background, I never expected to see what we're seeing now, what's going on in many European countries, not to mention the US. And a lot of it comes down to the spread of misinformation. So the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres had a message for the International Day of Democracy for 2023. And he said, quote, Miss and disinformation are poisoning public discourse, polarizing communities and eroding trust in institutions. 
This year's theme, quote, empowering the next generation, end quote, focuses on the essential role of children and young people in safeguarding democracy today and in the future. So he's right, of course. We need to put huge efforts into education and learning. And um, yes, misinformation, disinformation is a very big part of the fall of, or could be the fall of democracy. And we mm -hmm. need to fight it a lot. And we're trying to do it a little bit on this podcast as well, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 15th of September is the International Day of Democracy. And the first one was held in 2008. Yeah. And a good day. Happy birthday to, to <laughs> yeah. democracy, so to say. <laughs> Didn't know it was that young. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Pontus. That leaves us to ask, is there also something we can poke the Pope for? No, I don't think so. I actually started preparing something, but it turned mm -hmm. out to be pretty tame. So I think I think we'll leave uh, Frankie alone this week. Okay, then. Uh, yeah, he, he maybe deserves some rest today. Yeah, he's an old man. <laughs> And from old men, I think we should come to very young humans. But that means we will start with the news. And as I already said, let's go to young children, but not in the regards of bad things happening. Uh, no, it's, there's actually a study out that found out that toddlers learn to reason logically before they learn to speak. Hmm. And that's something I found really fascinating. Yeah. I don't know how about you, Pontus, but I learned in school that you basically shape your brain the way you speak and also like the way you use language and so on. And that in cultures and languages where you, for example, don't have a past or a future and so on and so on, that it actually changes the way you see the world. Mm. So to have toddlers to be able to reason logically before they speak is groundbreaking. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if they can't speak, how do you find that out? That's that's a good question, right? You can't oh. ask them like, God, what do you think about this? <laughs> Because no, they can't right. speak yet. And they try to find out, are they capable of logical reasoning if they are not able to speak or developing speech? They looked at children from at least 19 months of age. And it also, they didn't say like, oh, they can't speak at all. But they said like, they have to be 19 months. Because, yeah, like, but because I, to... I would say, because a lot of uh, most children, very different, of course, but yeah, a lot of children exactly. start to to say mm -hmm. their first words around 12 yes, months, right? Exactly. And, and it's also like hugely different. And there are children that start very late, but like in complete sentences. And there are children that yeah. start with maybe like two or three words, but reliably and so on. So it's very diverse in that regard. But they had to do the cut off somewhere. They couldn't say, oh, we only do those who can speak already or so. And their cut off was at least 19 months. And then they would show them objects, either by association or by exclusion. So they would show them two unfamiliar objects and give them words for that. And they either let them associate the term with each of them, so would teach them, or they would exclude one object. And then they would be like, oh, okay, so if this is the unknown term and it's not object A, then it has to be object B, if you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, okay. So it's sort of a problem-solving mm -hmm, thing there. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Exactly. And they did two different experiments. The first with 61 children and the second with 33 children. And um, the cool thing is that they also looked at monolingual and bilingual children. So, Ooh. for example, with the 61, there were 26 monolingual and 35 bilingual children. It's interesting to talk, talk about bilingual people yes. who cannot talk. Yes, are, you, yes. are you really bilingual there? Then? <laughs> but I understand what I they mean. Say, I would say, say so because I have a bilingual child, as you know. Yeah. She does talk a lot, though. <laughs> she does. She does. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little radio and we love her for it. <laughs> or she's a podcast, I should say, more modern. <laughs> no, but what she did, even when she didn't talk yet, as a very young toddler or even a baby, is that she would react differently to German and English than to, say, Spanish or Italian. Yeah. So if you would speak to her in German or in English, she would turn around, look at you, interact with you. But we have friends who are from Ethiopia and they talked German, English, and then they talked Amharic. And Luna was really like, what? <laughs> so <laughs> even then, yeah. she would recognize, like, of course, she couldn't speak it yet, but she would recognize that there's a difference between German, English and other languages. Yeah, yeah. Um, in this experiment with the kids that are 19 months, they, for example, showed them a spoon or a biscuit. But they sometimes said, here's a spoon and showed them a spoon and then showed them an object that they didn't know, but called it a carburetor or something like an imaginary word. And then they would test if they would remember the carburetor or if they could tell that it's, for example, hidden, the carburetor and not the apple. Mm. And... They did. <laughs> this is the cool thing. So they found out that 19 months old have what they call the presence of the concept of logical disjunction. <laughs> but they cannot pronounce that at that age. No, they can't pronounce that. <laughs> we, can't, we can hardly do it now. We can't, almost can't do it. <laughs> yeah, but that means they have a theory of mind at that age and they do logical reasoning like if the apple is not in your hand anymore then it has to be hidden because you showed me two objects before you told, yeah. showed me a spoon and an apple and so on and that's really cool because it tells us that logical thinking doesn't come only with language but it's there before that it's developing before yeah it could be present before that age even but the thing is that we don't really have enough evidence to demonstrate yeah. its no well, you always yet. have to research you can't take for exactly. granted but but I, I, I would say i have one thing mm -hmm. that i was wondering when i saw this um, news item was that mm -hmm. i'm not sure that i have always thought that language is a prerequisite for reasoning we see animals solving problems yes. without have, ever having access mm -hmm. to a language I was thinking about dogs, but then again, mm. uh, dogs actually do learn quite a lot, few words. Uh, even if they can't <laughs> yes. say them, mm. they understand them when you say them to them. But you look at uh, birds, for instance. Yeah. Crows yes, exactly. are famous for, for solving problems yes, without... Yeah. Also, reasoning is a broad term. It can mm -hmm. be yeah, applied yeah. to many different things. If you think about it, I mean, I, I really like the research and it's a really cool study. But if you think about it, just the idea of that you have to be able to speak to have logical reasoning skills is also very human-centric yes. slash and also ableist because there are people that can't speak for several reasons. Yeah. For example, being on the spectrum and also other reasons. And they are very good logical reasoners. <laughs> so 
yeah, it doesn't go hand in hand to have to be able to speak and to reason. But I still found this uh, study really yeah, cool. Always interesting. <laughs> I, one more thing I would say, I would almost put it the other way around. If you don't have the ability re to reason, mm -hmm. then you probably can't learn how to speak. That could be, yeah. And that would be a cool study. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know how to test that. You'll have to... True. It's very hard to think of ethical uh, yeah. situations you can yeah. put things, put people through. And you also would need to find like the gene that, that makes you be able to logical, like think logically. Yeah, and there's probably <laughs> not just one. There's probably hundreds mm -hmm. of them that co-operate yes. to create that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very. Yeah. it's fascinating anyway. Yeah. It is, it is. All right, more about people and how they work. Um, there's some new research coming out of Sweden and mm -hmm. from the University of Linköping, or mm -hmm. Linköping, I think people would pronounce it if they're not from Sweden. Ever, <laughs> never mind, it's a big university. This research is about who is more likely to fall for conspiracy theories. It's always important to understand why some people fall for stories that the rest of us see as obvious nonsense The results are not very surprising to me, but uh, again, you never know until you study something. This research is presented in the press release as looking into the connection between believing in your gut feeling, on the one hand, and the mm -hmm. likelihood of falling for conspiracy theories. I, I think that's the, that's the headline on the press release. I don't think that's quite correct, not entirely correct. It's a little bit misleading. They didn't look at gut feeling, whatever that is, but they looked at more specifically truth relativism, meaning the more you feel that truth is relative, which means everybody has their right to their own truth, quote unquote. Is there a correlation between thinking that truth is relative and believing in conspiracy theories? And Big surprise. Uh, yes, there is. <laughs> it seems like obvious to me, really, because the less you value objective facts, the more you're like, should be likely to fall for conspiracy theories. And that's exactly what they found. The paper was based on two separate studies. One was involving about a thousand Swedish people. So it's quite a big study. Mm -hmm. And another one with about 400 people living in the UK. They were not the same. They were a little bit differently set up, but they were similar enough that you could see the same tendencies in both. The UK study also showed another thing that the researchers called surprising. But again, I think we in the skeptics movement and myself see this all the time. They found that people who claimed that truth is relative and that everybody has the right to their own truth, they were still more inclined to reject other people's right to their own truth. <laughs> so so uh, I should be free to select my own truth. But when you do it... <laughs> It's not right. It's, you should it's take bad. my truth yeah, then. <laughs> then you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. You should. Everybody should feel free to accept my truth. Yes. That, that's, that's how they felt. It reminds me of Animal Farm a bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's a little bit of a George Orwell doublespeak. Mm -hmm. Another thing that they found was that people who argued that truth is relative and should be relative, they also had a greater tendency to find profound messages in nonsense sentences. And uh, that's also mm -hmm. fascinating. There was, yeah. I don't remember now, but many years ago, I saw a study or a report of a study that said that people who tended to find patterns in nonsense, 
were more likely to believe paranormal things. And this seems related. If you find what you think is apparent connections in something that has no connections, then you're also more likely to, well, reject the objective reality and go for the paranormal thing. But that's not this study. That was an older study. Yeah, but it's it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and something that's uh, conspiracy uh, theory related is, I would say bluntly, a satanic panic. Mm. And satanic panic is a moral panic concerning a yeah satanic sect that uh, is globally interconnected and torturing children all around the world in secret. I talked about that on um, episode 358, for example, but we also talked about it on several other episodes. It, it's not a new topic, so to say. No. But there has been a new development in Germany. As you probably remember, Pontus, satanic panic is still very much a thing in Germany. Because we have uh, people that are pretty influential believing in that. And now the Magazine Royale of ZDF made Satanic Panic their topic of last week's episode, which was the 8th of September. Mm -hmm. Of course, everyone's talking about it now and everyone is like, no one believes in that. So it's good in a way. <laughs> For those who do believe in it, it's of course something related to the backfire effect happening. Yeah. So that um, those who do believe in it are like, oh yeah, of course. See, they, they even treating us badly because they all are having to do with that. Yeah, all in on the conspiracy. All yeah. in, yes, exactly. But um, yeah, for those who speak German, it, it was a good show. It was, it's about half an hour and there they say if there's really this satanic sect that is um, torturing children, they actually did the work and asked all of our uh, police departments, <laughs> federal police departments and the German police department, all of them, if they have anything in their files regarding satanic crimes. And they were like, no, we don't, we don't have any of that. Then no. he's like, okay, maybe there are other evidence and did research in that. And no, there is no evidence. <laughs> what also happened is that he then, because that's what, what they do, he, uh, he had an employee that actually went to a seminar of basically the one person, the one um, psychologist believing in, in all of that, who is the influential person I, I mentioned before, actually went into to this workshop. And now this person is trying to take the show and the journalist to court. Ah, so this person was named in the actual show. The journalist, like the employee, yeah. who went to this workshop wasn't wasn't named, like they protected the person. Yeah. But of course, because he's a journalist, he also wasn't a psychologist. So yeah. that's the crime he, he did. <laughs> if, if it's a crime, like I'm not a... I'm oh, not a so it wasn't a, it's not a libel thing that's No, it's not a libel up. thing. No, it, it's ah. a... I think... <laughs> like, I haven't okay, seen any we'll files, see. mm-hmm. but uh, I think it's more a taking a badge of honor, like psychologist or doctor that, that you don't have because you're not... Oh, impersonating a, a profession yes. or whatever yes, it can be yes, called. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, I didn't see any files yet, any court right. material, but if I will, then I will, of course, update on that. Yeah. And sometimes in these cases, they threaten to go to court, but then mm-hmm. the end, when they have investigated and talked yeah. to the lawyer, they said, nah, mm-hmm. don't do that. Exactly. <laughs> like, and, and so far, so far, the, every newspaper article I've read, they just say, like, they're threatening to take to court. I don't know if they will. I don't know if it actually has legs to stand on. 
because except for like when registering, he said he's a psychologist, this journalist, but apart from that, he, he never did anything. Like he never practiced as a psychologist. No, he no, did. okay. So I don't know. Yeah. But also, also I would say it's very hard to sue a journalist for doing their job because you get all the media against mm -hmm. you. Yes. Because everybody, yes. all the newspapers, all the, the they band together mm -hmm. and say, no, we need to be able to do this kind of thing. So you don't get the sympathy in the press. Yeah. And the thing what I can applaud is like, for one, this whole episode, because it's bringing the topic into the broader attention. Yeah. And also that they actually asked, uh, there was, a, for example, a, a ministry financed video that was done together with this, with this influential psychologist that I don't want to name, but everyone <laughs> who's interested can look at the show notes. So they actually asked this ministry of, Hey, you're using the term mind control in regards of ritual satanic sects that don't exist <laughs> and to finance that dear ministry. Like, how could that happen? And they actually got the ministry to distance themselves from this video. And mm -hmm. they also said, we want uh, this video to be taken out of the internet. So um, this ministry. So like, that's well, actually... Can they do that? No. The ministry can say, dear clients or whatever you want to call it, who we paid f the video for, can you delete it, please? Oh, so okay, they, yeah, yeah, okay. They, it was their own video. They financed course, it. Yeah. But that's mm. that's also something good because that means that from official side, this influential psychologist has lost a lot of ground. And that mm. also means that the belief in this ritual satanic sect and satanic panic has also lost a lot of influence. And that's only a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Psychology is a difficult field because there yes. is certainly very competent psychologists and there are very good theories and very good therapies that you can go mm -hmm. to. But there's also a lot of psychologists that are still believing in Freud and in apparently satanic panic and mm -hmm. things that have been disproved a long time ago. So it's, mm -hmm. it's a shady, well, I don't know. It's maybe it's hard to do really good controlled studies as well because there are so much ethical things you can't <laughs> you can't induce panic with people just to see how they react there there are limits to what you can study yeah hmm. okay time for pontus to poke the politicians again it's been a while Yay. i've done that <laughs> yeah it's now a year since sweden got a new right-wing minority government And mm -hmm. they are only in power at the mercy of the Sweden Democrats, SD. Mm -hmm. SD is a nationalistic and populistic party that was founded out of a neo-Nazi party in the mid-1990s. So you understand where they are. They are mm -hmm. trying so hard to appear as one of the other parties, but they have very difficulties. Well, I, I shouldn't say they have big difficulties because they have about uh, 17% of the support of the Swedish voters. So it's incredible. But mm -hmm. anyway, uh, so they are pushing their xenophobic and anti-foreigner agenda, whatever you call it, trying to force the government to play along. And it's frightening to see how willing the conventional established right-wing parties are to accommodate SD. So SD mm -hmm. was not allowed to sit in the actual government, mm -hmm. but without SD support in the parliament, the government can be 
voted out and, it, mm-hmm. and, and we would have a, a crisis or yeah. Yeah, some sort of chaos and crisis. But worst case, it would go to a new election. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the, the right-wing parties, they are trying to appease the, the SD as much as they can so that they can remain in power. The latest shenanigans that SD has pushed through is that the government is now suggesting some sort of law that would make it mandatory for all public servants to report anyone that they suspect may not be staying legally in the country. So we're talking about doctors, nurses, school teachers and others who would now be forced, if this law goes through, to turn in anyone that they come across based on their own suspicions of maybe this person doesn't have a permit to stay in the country. And this is horrible because... You, let's say you're working as a doctor and you receive somebody with an emergency, say a, a burst appendix or something. If this law was in place, you, of course, would have to treat them as normal, but you would then have to call the police and say, this person doesn't seem to have a Swedish ID. That That's terrible because yeah. that would lead people to be very frightened to seek help when they need mm-hmm. it. Yeah, that's, like, that's not okay. A pregnant person that needs mm-hmm. emergency care, yeah. doesn't have an ID and doesn't dare to go to the hospital. That's terrible. Mm. If you're a teacher and you for some reason suspect that one of your pupils or, or their family is not in the country legally, you would be forced to report them. So I, I hate to invoke Godwin's law because that normally means that you've lost the argument. But I think you know how I think this sounds and what mm-hmm. other country tried to or did employ this kind of of uh, legislation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That actually reminds me of a song that I heard in in school. <laughs> oh my god. I think it's called Clandestino by Mano Chao in and it's Spanish and it's like I will butcher that. But Okay, go ahead. <laughs> he said he says something like Correr es mi destino. So like running is my destiny. Mm-hmm. Por no llevar papel because I don't have any papers. Mm. And we can put a link to that also in the show notes. Um, Will it be course... to you singing it? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> but I think it's something that is an experience of a lot of people that had to immigrate. So it's it's not only happening in Sweden, um, but it's it's something that's that's horrible. Yeah. So the good news is that this is not the law yet. And there's mm-hmm. a formal investigation put in by the by the Swedish government to draft such a law. But this investigation will not be ready until in September next year. So it's still some time to influence this. And last Sunday, thousands of teachers, health workers and others demonstrated in Stockholm to express their outrage for even investigating such a possibility. I am a teacher, not the border police, one speaker said at the at the mm-hmm. rally there. Another one said, quote, to think that it is a medical doctor's job to call the police when a pregnant woman shows up and needs help is preposterous, end quote. Mm-hmm. And also somebody said, what kind of society do we want to have, end quote. And, and yes, indeed, what kind of society do we want to have when it's more important to uh, get a child expelled from the country for going to school because mm-hmm. his parents doesn't have the necessary paper? Yeah. I mean, come on, guys. That's not how we want to live. 
But that's how SD wants it to happen. Mm-hmm. And we have we see this right-wing thing, nationalistic, populistic, in m- many countries in Europe at the moment, which is uh, very frightening. And um, I just hope that the little small gesture of having an international day of democracy may help a little bit, perhaps. But um, we will see. Yeah. Keeping our fingers skeptically crossed. <laughs> Very skeptically crossed, yes. Yeah. So that was it already with the news. Mm-hmm. And that means we should find out if there's a really wrong or really right award that we can give out this week. And because everything's different when Andras not here, I'm asking <laughs> you, Pontus. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yes, uh, good news, everybody. Not a really wrong this week. We talk about Retraction Watch from time to time, and we are big fans. Retraction Watch, of course, keeps track of all the retracted scientific papers, uh, studies and research that has turned out to be so flawed that they should never have been published in the first place. And that happens all the time. But until Retraction Watch came along, nobody kept actually a list of all of that. You would think that would be (laughs) natural and obvious, Mm -hmm. but nobody had thought of doing that. They started in 2010 as a non-profit project by two guys. They're called Mm -hmm. Adam Marcus and Ivan Oransky. And they felt, of course, that we we needed such a thing, a, a common place where all retractions are documented. It's Still very much a volunteer project. And it's driven by the same two people. They have mm-hmm. some help now because they've grown. But they don't get paid. But they have been funded by a couple of philanthropic foundations since around 2014, 2015. And that has kept the blog part of Retraction Watch open and free for us to read. And we do read that quite often. But access to the actual database of retracted papers... Uh, that started out actually just as a simple Excel sheet. They they just put it in there as a line by line. But that database has not been open to the public. Instead, companies have been able to get access to that against the fee because this has been one way to keep getting funds for the operation. But the good news this week is that mm-hmm. another non-profit organization called Crossref has acquired the whole database. They've bought it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for quite a lot of money, and uh, they will make it totally open and free to the public. They will also go on to keep paying Retraction Watch a substantial amount every year for maintaining it, for keeping it up to date. Mm-hmm. So uh, very good news. Yeah. Everything is well, it hasn't actually happened now. It will happen. It didn't say a specific date. Mm-hmm. But uh, very soon, the whole database bill will be open to the public and you can go and cross-reference it and you can do searches and stuff in that and that that is great the blog is fine and the blog will remain as well but you know if you think about well i read about a study that was retracted about five years ago you have to go through the whole blog Mm -hmm. to find yes exactly that study and it may may be difficult Mm -hmm. no that's that's really good news thank you pontus Yes, for keeping the database of retracted papers open, free, and making sure it keeps being updated going forward, Retraction Watch and the new partner, Crossref, gets this week's prize for being really right. Awesome. Yes, well deserved. Yeah. 
Yeah, so as listeners who know this show well know, <laughs> that brings us to the end of this show. But I don't want to let anyone go without a quote. And this quote actually has a, bit, a little bit of a backstory, and it's also not the shortest. I can see that. A lot of people know that I usually have short and sweet quotes. <laughs> This time, it's actually a poem that I want to read in German, in the original, and in English. So uh, <laughs> buckle in, buckle up, because it won't be short. <laughs> the backstory to this is that after the spiritual and esoteric trade fair, we actually went to a restaurant with a group of skeptics. And one of them actually said, hey, do you want to hear something skeptical? A skeptical mm. poem. And we're like, sure. And he read this one out. And we're like, whoa, that's really good. This is your friend. Yeah, yeah. And we were like, who wrote that? And he's like, me. <laughs> oh, good. So, of wow. course, I immediately thought of the podcast and asked him if I can use it as a quote. And he said, yes. Yay. <laughs> But because it's, it's in German, I translated it also. Tried to make it rhyme. It's not completely verbatim now mm -hmm. in, the, in the English version. But tried to still make it rhyme. That's my version then, of course, but uh, the original is, I would say, much, much better. And it's written by Marabou, that's his pen name. Mm -hmm. So I will just read it out in German. <laughs> And okay. Pontus, you can guess what it's about, because it's... Um, I will try. Yes, mm -hmm. it's, it's called Die Salbe. What could mm -hmm. that be about? Well, uh, actually, I see the English translation, so it's uh, too easy. But it means salve, I yes, guess, as exactly. in anointment that you yes. uh, snake oil thing, perhaps. Okay, I'll just read it out in German and then in English. Ein Wunderheiler, ganz auf Zack, preist an die Salbe Marke Quack und macht dem Publikum weiß, die Wirkung hänge ab vom Preis. Für 100 Euro gilt im Nu, kein Erdstrahl stört des Schläfers Ruh. Wem Strahlung schon das Hirn gegrillt, ist das zu zahlen gern gewillt. Für tausend Euro sicher sei der Käufer vor der Hexerei. Die Mehrheit dennoch jede Wette bevorzugt skeptisch Amulette. Wem zehnmal mehr ist nicht zu teuer, erwirbt den Schutz vor Fegefeuer. Am besten lässt sich eben neppen, seit je mit der Angst der Deppen. Wenn einer nach Beweisen fragt, die Salbe hat noch nie versagt. Vor Dingen, die nicht existent, hilft jede Salbe exzellent. So that's the German version. <laughs> okay. For those who do not know a word of German, that was uh, <laughs> exactly, interesting. That was... But here comes the translation. Exactly. Here comes uh, for everyone who doesn't speak German. Hmm? A miracle healer, fresh off the rack, praises the ointment of the brand Quack and makes the public believe his lies. The effect is dependent on the price. For a hundred euro, it is valid in no time. No earth ray disturbs the sleeper's rest. Those who have already had their brains fried by radiation's best are willing to pay a fair dime. For a thousand euro, the buyer is protected from witchcraft. What a bliss. The majority, nevertheless, every bet, skeptically prefers an amulet. If ten times more money is not too much glory, He buys the protection from purgatory. The best way since ancient times to get golden tools is with the anxious fear of fools. If one asks for evidence, this ointment has never failed a chance. From things that do not exist, this ointment will protect you. That's the gist. 
Yeah, all right. <laughs> so there you go. As I said, it's it's a bit more funny in German, but I th I still really like it. It's funny. It's also really bringing it to a point. It's it put it puts everything in a nutshell what we know about quacks and. Yeah, I I do like the the last uh, two uh, lines there. From things that do not exist, this ointment yes. will protect you. That's the gist. Yes. So yes. Uh, yeah, it's easy to protect you from things that doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. But if you convince people mm -hmm. of uh, ghosts or whatever, yeah. Mm. Of course, this this ointment is the best thing ever because it will protect you from things that <laughs> that don't exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, it's like the old joke: this stone makes sure that there are no tigers coming. And so I said, "There's no tigers here." No, see, it works. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I know this joke with that carrots are good for your eyesight. And you're mm. like, why? Yeah, have you ever seen a rabbit with glasses? <laughs> <laughs> Good. So, yeah, pretty much the same, same principle. So, yeah, thank you again, Marabu, the poet, for, for allowing me to quote that. Thank you to our listeners who were patient with me for proclaiming not one, but two versions of a poem. <laughs> and Pontus too, thank you. Yeah, thank you to our listeners for coming back week after week. And until next week, goodbye. Hello. Tschüss. Wieslat. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time. But until then... Please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe As Two things going on at the same time. I do have a cough, mm -hmm. but I also have something stuck in my throat. Do you want to just grab some water? Like <coughs> I have some wine. Okay, then then wine. <laughs> yeah, we can put it a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Perdido en el...